0: Hello, Sobertown. Welcome to the Sobertown podcast. Let's jump on that sober train and ride right into the incredible, wonderful world of sobriety. Real quick, I want to mention Sobertownpodcast.com. We have tons of resources there to help you fight cravings, build mindsets. It's a place where you can become the architect of your own recovery. Also, we have a list of sober communities you can get involved with. Sober communities are just vital to our recovery, finding like-minded people that we can relate with. There's I Am Sober, Boom Rethink the Drink, Addicted in Film, Movie Club with Ted Perkins, The Phoenix, Getting Sober, Dot, 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 Again, This Naked Mind, Sobertown Facebook group, all of these are amazing communities with amazing sober warriors on a journey trying to get sober just like you and I. Today, I want to welcome a very special guest, an amazing sober warrior, Gary Mankes. Gary, welcome to Sobertown. How you doing? I'm doing good, my man. Doing good. I appreciate it being on here with you
1: and I'm so glad we connected you know we had a conversation on the phone I don't know how long we talked but one of those one of those moments where I could have talk to you like all night you know it's all because we're here and found sobriety and I love what you're doing you now it's it's a special thing man so I, I thank you for your
0: service and then so you you've gotten sober and now you're building a podcast of your own you want to tell us a little bit about that yeah so well it's a, a journey to, to get where I am but you know, and, and I frankly, not
1: even really sure how I got into the podcasting world, but I kind of stumbled upon it. I listened to them pretty regularly and I'm always interested in doing some other things and, you know, doing things on the side, if you will. And and I had some friends in a different area, not nothing to do with sobriety, started starting podcasts. Like, you know, you should look into this. And I was like, well, what, what, what would they talk about? You know, what am I, you know, they asked you, what are you passionate about? What, what would you talk about? Well, see, I love sports, you know, some that, but there's probably a million of those. And it just hit me. You know what I'm really passionate about? Passionate about talking to people about sobriety. I'm passionate about sharing the message that people can turn their life around. And what we said before, you know, passionate to let people know that they're not alone and that they don't have to live that way. And I hear these amazing stories all the time in a small group setting, as you can imagine. And I come away so often thinking, man, the world... Well, I'm lucky. I'm in this. I'm in this small group for a buck or two bucks so Until, the till. You know, man. There's a lot of other people that could hear some of these stories and change their lives around. Because I remember when I was early on struggling, I was in and out, and I would hear some of these celebrities or athletes or actors or whatever, and I heard that they were sober, and it helped me. It helped me think, "Wow, that guy doesn't drink. Either, or that guy doesn't drink anymore. That guy is sober. Wow. You know, maybe there's something here. It helped." And if anything can help one person, my motto is help one person today. You
0: know, you hope to help them whether that. but if you help one person today, you know, that's a beautiful thing. Boom. And you're going to be helping more than one person today because you're going to be sharing your story with us, your silver journey. No, nah, I appreciate that. But you're the one, you're the one sharing, you're the one helping someone today, my man. Well, we all are. And like we just mentioned, it's addicts helping addicts. And that's the magic of this. Absolutely. No question about it. So go ahead, man. Start where you want to start
1: and where it was, what happened, and where, where I am now, I guess, right? The kind of basics. You know, I grew up in Long Island, a town called Port Washington, a great town. I think the motto of the town is a, a drinking town with a fishing problem, a big fisherman. I get <laughs> But I was in Cooperstown when I was younger, too. And it says a drinking town with a baseball problem in Cooperstown, New York. So there's a few of those, but yeah, I grew up, you know, I think I grew up in a, in a regular kind of blue collar area, you know, a really tight knit neighborhood, you know, I had a great childhood as far as, you know, walking out the door at the park, down the street and playing sports all day, coming home when it was dark, you know, kind of typical. And, you know, I still have the same group of buddies that I do then, like I'm going to chat with all the guys I'm in kindergarten, kindergarten, first grade. We had a real tight knit group and uh, I'm super blessed to have those, those those buddies and those friendships that stay. I cherish them. You know, I think it's super, super important. But you know, we grew up in this town. There was uh, there was some rough there were some rough characters, you know, around, but they kinda they kinda took care of us. it wasn't, you know, it's funny, you step back and you say, Wow, that was that was maybe a little worse than we thought. But when you're in it and you live there and you know, it, it was totally normal. You no, know? and we played a lot of sports. I played a lot of sports when I was a kid. And you know, fifth, six, seventh, ring. Started experimenting, and you know, parents, you know, parents liquor cabinets. Mm-hmm. And you, know, you get a little older, you start going out, and you know, start sneaking and stealing. You have people who drink by beer, you know, normal stuff, normal kid stuff. But you know, early on, I, I'd say super early on. As soon as I really started to go early teens, you know, I found alcohol, and and I, I immediately was a little bit different. Than than most everyone else, even though, you know, he we went out to, you know, have fun. And, but I, I was doing it just a little bit differently than, than everyone, i say, you know, right off the gate. And I think they'd all probably vouch for that. And they're all not, you know, church, church, church going guys, if you will. You know, they're not, although they do go to church there, you know, that there could be a rough crowd too. You no, know? but I, was just a little bit different, so, you know, fast forward a little couple of years, I'm, you know, big event. I think I mentioned this to you when we talked, but it was kind of a big event in my life. Still is I, you know, I was 16 years old. It was the night before Thanksgiving. It's a big night out in my town. Like the whole entire town goes out. And I was with my older cousins. I got three awesome old cousins. And you know, same thing. Athletes and I kind of you know trail, you know, traff them around. And we were like in batting cages all day, just messing around all day, drinking beers in the backseat. And they were talking about going to the bar. Finn McCool was at Port Washington that night i just had in my head i was like I gotta, I gotta go i gotta go i was 16 you know and I, I stuck in the bar that night and i was i knew everyone in, in the in the bar it was the whole whole town was there and, you know gary i i was the by fall at far the youngest but far in the smallest in, in the place and i'm having a blast and i'm, I'm really getting after it and a fight breaks out with my cousins and stumbled out into the street and we go out in the street and, you know, I was in no position to really fight off any of these guys. But the cops showed up and they went after my cousin and I went to lock him up. And, you know, all and behold, I woke up Thanksgiving morning in Nassau County. Lock up for a first just result of a police officer. I, I allegedly went after, he went after my cousin and I, I was one after him. And I, gave up, I, I broke his nose. And I, honestly, I don't, I don't even really, really, I was kind of, I don't want to say I was in a blackout, but I wasn't all there. I was, a, you know, disaster. I woke up. And it's funny you have these moments, right? And this is the moment I was 16 years old, right, and you know I know I'm in trouble. Um, they beat me up in the, in the in the police station, down you know, throwing down the stairs with my handcuffs on, and whatever. You know, I guess I kind of deserved it. I don't know if I like going that far. I really don't like those cops in this thing, but those cops, you know, I, I have my best friends are police officers. I have a brother that's retired in my opinion, you know, so I, I love him. It's my uncle. But you have these moments, right? And so I'm in, you know, they take you to Port Washington and they, then they take, you, put you on the bus and they take you to to Mineola. That's like where the Nassau County Jail is. And like I said, I'm 16. I'm, I'm the smallest guy in there. And, and, I, and I walk in. And guys are like, well, what are you in here for? You got a DWI? I was like, "No, nah, I saw it to the police officer. And like, oh man, cool, man. This boy, little boy's crazy. You know, like, he like respected me, right? But it's so silly, but. But there was a complete there was a there was a, a jail guard, guard, right? And he looked at me and he said, How old are you? And I sent him sixteen. And I don't know if I can curse on here, but I'm just gonna tell you what he said. He said okay. So he said he said, Oh, I'm sixteen. It was nice fucking life. Nice fucking life. He was pissed off. The guy was mad. I can still see him to this day. And it hit me. Like he's boom. You know, I'm like, he's right. Nice fucking life from 16 years old. You know, I, I you know, the, the old saying is, you know, I didn't get in trouble every time I was drunk. Every time we got in trouble, I was drunk and I got in a lot of trouble, a lot of trouble. But that was my first real big foray into, in, into trouble. And it was, uh, it was a heck of a starter, you know, it was, I, I had a few DWIs after that, a few assaults. I was, you know, I was a reckless, I was a wild man. I was, you know, I was a Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde never knew what you were going to get, man. like. I'd be the happiest guy in the place and the drop of the dollar. I'd be the nastiest guy and kind of always knew it, always knew I was there. And that's just kind of how I rolled. You know, I've heard it and here in the rooms, too, that, you know, I never felt comfortable. Alcohol made me feel comfortable. And I heard that recently, like I said, I've been sold for 17 years. I just heard that in the last few months. It's like, man, I that was me. You know, I never realized how uncomfortable I felt in my own skin. You know, like we grew up in a funny town, so Town with four of us, and like I said, it's a great town, but you have this. I grew up in this kind of, you know, blue collar, rougher area where broken families and, you know, people doing what they can to make ends meet. But if you went up like, I don't know, half a mile or a mile and you went through down some streets and you hopped over a couple of fences, you were in this place called Sands Point. It was like one of the wealthiest places in, in the country. So we all went to school together. You know, I don't know if I just felt uncomfortable. I, I, I don't know, but I did. felt uncomfortable in my life. And alcohol let me, you know, and loosen me up. You hear it a lot. And let me talk to girls. I did talk to girls. And I just, you know, I kind of found my, found my way, I guess. I will say, too, back up a little bit. You know, I had a very active dad. My dad, he never got sober, but he was very active. He was always rough. And tell them, guys, in and out of my house, and cocaine was the big thing for them. You know, there would be like the cut straws And the drawer. I could go grab my spoons for my Cheerios and it was like cut straws and stuff. And I could see them too. You know, the stuff sticks with me. At least sticks with me, I'm pretty sure. Sticks with me. As you can see. I could see them doing the stuff. And you know, I knew what they were doing and I had a younger sister and and I always said, like, I don't care what I see or what happens with anyone like my sister, she's like this, like I'm gonna lose her. And I and I just I think I started to develop. I went from like this kind of innocent kid to like this kid started developing a real chip on his shoulder. I still have this chip on my shoulder to this day. It's it's kind of subdued, but comes out sometimes. I I'd venture to say it helped me sometimes too. It's a little competitive edge, you know, a little kind of like I'll do it. Definitely a a really bad stubborn aspect aspect to that. It is what it is. It's who I am. I try to work on it, but you know. I, I got to be who I am too. Like, you know, I'm not perfect. I'm far from perfect. So, you know, we had that, you know, my mom is one of 10 and drinking a big, big part of that My mom's side of the family. I'm the first grandchild on, on the mom's side. I'm super proud. of that. I tell you like 21 younger cousins are still coming and, but it's amazing. You know, it's a beautiful thing. You know, I, you know, I was in and out, never knew what I was going to do myself. I was barbed 10, you know, fast forward a little bit from 16 and I still never I never, I didn't play to one college. You know, I was a decent baseball player. I played one year of junior college baseball, you know, didn't go to school though. You know, it's just so typical of me. I stopped going to school in the August. I failed out. Just school wasn't for me. I thought if, if I can do that again, I think I might, but you know, no regrets, you know, where I'm right, where I'm supposed to be. But I was bartending. I had this great idea that I bartend in New York and went in the summers and she was Florida and bartend there in the winters. And I was going to be a career bartend. And that was my real past, you know, real dreams I had, right? Isn't that beautiful? Well, it's so something so proud to be, you know, and I was bartending. Some guy came in and I was bartending my town, actually. Port Washington guy came in and said, what are you doing here, man? Like, what are you doing? Right? You should come work for me. I work, I'm i this I Wall Street firm. Come, you know, come work for me. You're going to kill him. And I was like, all right, maybe I can make something of myself. And, you know, I went to work for these guys and they were like, yeah, they were like four of them dudes. Like, you know, I, I think they were. Right place. I, I didn't last there long, but I what I did was I took my test. I got my license there, my Series 7, 63. And I got licensed to be a, to be a stock broker, you know, but these guys were like selling stocks to people. And I was like, I don't know anything about a stock. I, I wouldn't sell a stock to my, to my mom. So I'm not going to sell some stock to some stranger just to make money. But I got this license, man. Like, I think I can do something with this. And I started dating this amazing girl, amazing girl. Her brother worked at a real, real firm, Wall Street trading desk firm. And he brought me in, he got my foot in the door. And, and that was in February of, February of 2001, I started there. And that was downtown New York. And I am, I think I'm 24, 25 years old, something around 25 years old. And, you know, I don't have a college degree. I'm sitting around a bunch of you know Ivy League kids, you know my age, you know did things right, you know and all went to college. Where'd you go to college? You know, I don't go to college. Where did you, mean you didn't go to college? You know, yeah. You go to college. How'd you get in here? I was like, I don't know, I don't know. How I got here, but I'm here, you know. And like I say this too, like man, I didn't even know how to answer an email. Like I remember early on, I get an email and I was answering the whole email in caps, caps lock. I was, I was lost, man, totally lost. But that chip on my shoulder, I mentioned like. There was something there, like trying to like screw these guys, you know, like then up there in me, and like, I'll figure this out, you know? And I didn't know what I was doing, but I remember telling myself, this is a joke. Ch- this is ridiculous to say, but it's true. Like, like listen, I'm going to try to learn this stuff. Like I know the sports section, I can talk the sports section to everybody on this floor. Right so I'm going to just try to start reading and make no sense. And you keep reading it. And I did start making some sense. And, you know, I was there. I was at this distance. I mentioned I started there in February 2001, and I'm about you know ten blocks. I don't know, I think that's even. I think I'm probably closer to eight blocks north of the World Trade Center, and I'm outside and I'm blowing a button September 11, 2001, and all of a sudden you hearing this explosion. I was like, "Whoa, what's that?" Like, you know, look up, and there, there it is, right down the street. It's the World Trade Center. Then We go back upstairs. You know, we evacuate, leave. We and then it was just complete man like like who you saw, you know, and, and I, I mentioned that I mentioned it because it always it always comes up. So it's something there, you know. But it's the first time after that that like I didn't I, I didn't care about stuff. I always thought I wanted to have a family, you know, like I was like, I don't want to bring I don't want to bring kids into this world. You know, I was really so, bad. But,
0: just so people know, that yeah. was 9/11. 9-11, September eleven, two thousand. Yeah. Yeah. I was
1: you know. I say 10 blocks, I'm pretty sure it was closer than 10, but just to, I don't want to overdo, but I mean, it was right there, you know, and ran back upstairs. And I, you know, that's, a, that's another topic to talk about that entire day. But that was, yeah. Was I mean, fun.
0: 10 blocks, you look out and you're looking straight up at the world Oh, Z. right down the street, right down right. the street.
1: Right. Yeah. Right down the street. And then, you know, so the first one hit and you don't know, you don't know what's going on, you know, and you think, man, you know, that sucks. How did that happen? Y'all plane hit it. Man, awful. You know, man. I hope everybody's, a, you know, I wonder how that happens. And I'll never forget this guy came up, this tough guy from Brooklyn came running up, screaming. And he's like, that wasn't an accident. That wasn't an accident. That was on purpose. Like, what is he talking about, man? Like, he was right. You know, and then the second one hit. We went over the loudspeaker and they said, We're evacuating the building, but we don't know what's next. You know, everyone went outside. You know, we saw people jumping and, you know, we went north. And, you know, we, we I started walking. I was walking. You know, again, I wasn't like really tight with these guys at work. Like it wasn't like more of that circle. But, you know, they're like stick with each other and, and, and go somewhere. So we started walking north. And I bumped into a, a, a neighborhood, one of my like one of the older, older than me. But like, you know, we played same circle kind of stuff, you know. And he was in the World Trade Center and ran into him. And I was like, oh, he's like, gee, you know, Gary, you know, give me a hug. And he's like, come with me. So I left the guys I was worth. I was stuck with him. He lived not far. We could, you know, we kind of walk, you know, and, and I'll never forget some guy in a van. He was, he was like a foreigner. He was, he kind of made eye contact with him. And he was like talking to me. I was like, what is it? And he was saying, like, couldn't understand what he was saying. And he was pointing on his radio. What he was saying was the Pentagon just got it. Pentagon just got hit, and then we looked at each other. like, "Holy oh, shit, man! Like, United States, like, we're under attack. We are under attack." And so, anyway, we you know we left, we fled, we went back to his apartment. He lost one of his best friends in that building. I, I lost people I knew. I didn't lose anyone that I really you know super close to me. I know tons of people that were in there. Just you know, I didn't have one of my best friends in there. I put family, you know, people, a lot of people. You know, that was a heck of a time around my area too it was just like yeah this uh, is your
0: community yeah just
1: attacked and 100 percent. like you know that's new york city and then you go home and all around you know the suburbs it's every church and it's every community got decimated so i feel like i was at funerals and memorials and church for like a month straight you know like and it was like rudy julie everyone was trying to get to that to, to everyone it was they were everywhere it was unbelievable you know, I fell in love with George Bush there, man. He was, I loved that guy at that time. But so, you know, that was, that was, you know, September, you know, and like I said, I kind of gave, you know, it was part of me, I was like, I don't want, you know, I, I, I was in a bad spot, I don't know, just like everybody was, everybody was, you know, and, you know, that was, you know, September and, you know, fast forward a couple of months later, I go out on Thursday. night at work with these guys. I do what I always do. I left them. and wanted to do my own thing because no one or any way I could. I need to be alone. I, I was a real isolator. I used to just love to be alone. Loved it. I right? think, like, yeah, cool. This is great, guys. And mm-hmm. I just do Irish shit I leave them and I go do my own thing. And and so that's a Thursday night and a regular Thursday night. You know, and I go out all night and I don't show up. Next day, Friday, no call, nothing. I'm still at it, you know, I'm, now I'm feeling it like, man, it might be a little bit of trouble here. You know, I didn't call. Him. So I just kept going Saturday, Sunday, Monday. I'm still going at it. Still at it. You know, everything. I'm looking for everything. I'm trying to show everything in my body. I'm drinking nonstop, I'm not sleeping. People are looking for me. And again, I, I get it. I get in FedEx. A FedEx guy comes to my door, knocks on my door. hands. it's like, I going to get served. I don't know if it's just an accident, but. Like served it to me. I would say, "All right, yeah, I hadn't signed it for actually. I had not sign that I received, and I opened it, and it was working." Said, "Gary, you know, if you are alive, you need to contact us because we've been trying to contact you, you're you're your nowhere. You're you're MIA. you don't, we so don't hear from you in know, the next twenty four hours. Your position is terminated. You know, you're fired. You know." And I thought really quickly on my feet, and I call him. I said, "I'm alive. I'm here." And I have a problem. I have a problem with alcohol. I need a good help. And I, I, I say that, you know, there was there was two there was two pieces to that. You know, I'm just being complete honestly. There's no there's no eyes Completely transparent. I did have a problem. I think everyone around me knew that for a long time, but I had it somewhere in my head. Like if I go to rehab, they can't let you go know right now. They have to kind of keep you. So I kind of was like, you know, kind of like I said, think quicks. And so I went up, and went to this place called St. Christopher's upstate New York, they call it the miracle on the mountain. It's run by a bunch of friars. It's an amazing place. And I went up there and I kind don't of went up there, I think just to hide out. But I was in bed, you know, I, I was, I was crawled up crying. Like I was, I was pretty low. I was in the bottom and I went up there and I met again. I'll, I'll, it's another moment in my life and never forget. I can remember it right now. You know, and that's how many years, this is April, 2002. So do the math, how many years ago I that's my first meeting you know? And that's where I had to say, I'm Gary and I'm an alcoholic. And I could feel it right now. And I just thought, man, look what you did to yourself now. Look where you are. What did you do? Look where you are. You're up in a rehab. You're an alcoholic. What are you going to do with your life, you know? And so I went up there and stayed there for 30 days. I wasn't super honest with everyone. I felt like I just kind of be two packs of cigarettes every day. I read some books. I went to group. So I knew there was, you know, my, there was some seeds planted. I had to go to a meeting every night. Uh, you know, I sat in the back and raised my hand. I didn't share. And it was the only thing I had to do when I got out of there. I had one thing to do. I had to go to a meeting that day. And I didn't go. And I didn't put 90 days together. And I went back out and I fought, I fought this disease in four more years. In and out of AA, always AA, and I knew, I knew that you know I'd have to stop drinking at some point. But you know, I said, I'm, I'm not going. Yeah, I'll, I'll figure this out. Tomorrow. Yeah, certain that, yeah. And I, I don't know what happened on May twelfth, two thousand six, when I was sitting at my, my apartment in New York City in West Village, and I was sitting in it, and it was. I say it was a Tuesday night. I'm not exactly sure. I say it's a Tuesday night only because it was just such a unregulated uh, nothing night. But something overcame something overcame me, and I didn't want to do it anymore. And you know, I mentioned I was my first grandchild on my mom's side, and I had younger cousins, and they kind of looked up to me. You know, they like, maybe not kind, they looked up to me. They did. I was, you know, I was kind of a doer, and you know, like I said, I played sports, and you know, even worked in New York City. Like wow, looking at him, you know, and I remember thinking, like, what about them, man? Like, is this what you want to be for them? Like, is this what you want them to see? Like, look at you. You are, you are a nothing. You're a mess. And I don't know what it was. And I, I stopped drinking that Tuesday night on May 12th. And the next day, May 13th, I called Middleton in New York City, AA, and I went to a meeting. And, you know, maybe I was given the gift of desperation. Maybe I was given the gift of surrender. But I was given this gift of sobriety. I believe the first day and I felt different from from that day than any other time I tried this. And I dumped all my booze out. I'd never done that before. Dumped all my booze out, and I started going to meetings. And I just—that's all I did for a few months. Is I went to work, and went to meetings. Sometimes two meetings every day. You get a pamphlet. You walk in. Phone numbers, and all the stuff prior we would tell me to do, like went against all my instincts. Like some stranger came up to me, like some dude said, Hey man, give me, here's my phone number. Give me a call. Like, every instinct within me is like, God, like, let me call. You know, like now I was like, you know what? The way I do it is wrong. Like, I don't know what I'm doing. These guys seems to be working for them. Let me just try what they're telling me, to, what they're suggesting. So I did, I called him, you know, I'd say, hi, you told me to call you. And I'd you, i would like, you, told me to call you, you know, like, all right, cool, man. How you doing? Like, Doing all right, you know. Like all right, well, if you get swirly, call me. And and that's kind of how I did. And, and you know, the early on was tough; it was really tough. And I would spend summers out in Montauk, which is an amazing summer, So summer place, a big fishing town, and just awesome. I did. I would ramp up my debauchery like big time every summer. And I did something really stupid. I still went out there, but in in, May, in I guess it was yeah, it was probably right around right around this time. My sprayer needs May. Thirteenth, two thousand six. So, probably right around June or something. Fourth, fourth of July. I'm out in Montauk. You know, I don't have a sponsor. Like I said, I'm just going to meetings. I'm walking down the street, middle of the day, Montauk, and this guy's yelling at me from inside the forest, I say, "Yeah, man, let's go." go be beer. I, I'm like, I'm not gonna make it, man. I'm just, I'm not gonna make it. And I looked, and there was a meeting that night in Montauk. i know never been to a Montauk. I went to that meeting. I tried just to hang on just to get to that meeting. And I went to the meeting this guy spoke and everything he said, like, I need him. And when he was done, I stood up. Again, you have these visions, right? Like I feel like there was, you know, a few hundred people. It was a big room with, was it a few hundred people? It was, it was a big packed room. And I stood up in front of everyone and I was like, I, I need you. I need your help. Like, I'm not going to make you here. I mean, you know, 30 days. I have tried this before, I'm not gonna make it. All right, we'll hunt meal. Come see us after come after the yeah. meeting. I did. He had this crew group of guys in there and I'm telling him I'm telling him I happen to walking down the street. People were yelling for me and my, my, you know, I am Allison, bunch of my old buddy writing buddies. I don't know why he came, came here. here. And, and he, I'm like, all right, just you know, calm down. We'll get you I'll get you not to drink, he said. There was a group guy said, I'll get you not to drink. when he said that I got pissed off. Like, what do you mean you're going to get me out to drink? Like, do you know who you're speaking to? Like, you have no idea who you're talking to. Like, what do you mean you get me out to drink? Like, just calm down. It's going to be all right. You get through it tonight. All you have to do is call me tomorrow. It's all right. So I made it through that night and called him tomorrow. He was like, man, we were all praying that i me. calling. so happy you called him. Come over here. And he had a house. He became my sponsor. and started going through the book. and we went through the steps and I started writing stuff down. You know, stuff like my dad, I shared with you before. i never shared anyone before, you know, like, that's where I come from. You don't, you don't say a word to him, you keep it all in, you know, we don't share nothing, you know, and, and that was boring. I felt like I was like ratting Pete, ratting my dad out. Like I do, you know, and I have a relationship with my dad today. I do. I, and I did, I always kind of kept it. You know, he did the best he could too, you know, like, even though he doesn't realize he was sick at the time he was, you know? But you know that was my journey. That was that's how I got today. And and I just like I said, for the first time, I like, if they told me, they told me to call, it made no sense. I called. Told me to meet him here for a meeting. I just did what I was told, and then I started feeling feeling better. I started feeling like you know it's going to be okay. But I, I kind of left left that old world you know to the side. Like I. I I, I checked out like my buddy and I checked out from all that stuff. I feel like there's this big chunk of time that I missed with them, but I came back, you know, I came, I, 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 didn't lose them or anything. And I remember like I was 10 years sober and we're at, you know, some barbecue at one of our guys' houses. I was like, I was a little squirt. I was like, oh, I, I wasn't really sure what, what, what they thought, you know? And I was like, you know, I came up, you know, I was like, yeah, what are you guys? I never talked to you guys like, you know, what did you think like when I went away and I stopped drinking and I kind of checked out and they all looked at each other like oh we talked about this Gary like you think have been all of you been going to be dead we think you are on that path like I was like really like 100% I we all think you are and I was like oh man alright like, right, I'm going to keep I'm going to stay here for a little while longer. I'm going to keep coming you know like and you know I said this before I'm, I think off while we are recording. You now, there's not a big giant sign. Welcome to a meeting like, since, you know, come on in here. Completely change your life. like That's exactly what happens. That's what happened to me. I see it happen you know, every single day. You see miracles every single day. You know, and, and 17 years ago, I'm 48, I'll be 49. Yeah, but 17 years ago, I was an adult in stature, you know, but I was a scared little kid inside. And I used to think I wasn't afraid of anything. And I, and I realized that I, full of fear, full of fear, you know, I that's could put fear on almost any, anything, you know, afraid of what you're going to think of, me. afraid of what that person is. I'm afraid I'm not smart enough, I'm not good enough, all this stuff, I'm not enough. enough. I hear this a lot in here, you know, all roads lead to I suck. And that's where I was. I was there, and it, but it was all inside. I, I'm so thick-headed, and I, didn't, I couldn't put it together. You know, you start putting pen to paper and writing that stuff out. You know, that's what happened. You know, I, I became a man in, in sobriety. You know, I became, you know, I became, I, I had words like integrity, responsibility, you know, and, and that's that's what was given to me. You know, I hear also like, you can put a sticker on everything you have, you know, like property of A or property of my sobriety. You know, that's me, 100% me. And you know, I'll, I'll share another just to give you a real something, a real in all this. My ten year anniversary. My wife, who was the same girlfriend that I mentioned before, she stuck with me through and through. You know, and she's been she's been through it all with me. But my wife wrote you you know, a congratulations card for my anniversary anniversary, card, and said, "You know, congratulations on ten years. Look how far you've come. Just think, if they didn't even do this, your treat children wouldn't." Be, wouldn't be here, and excuse me, Bill, you know, that hit me, man. And it hits me right this second because it's true, man. It's so true. My kids wouldn't even exist if I didn't find sobriety. They're my world My wife, and my two kids, that—that's my world. And yeah, I mean, now third floor Florida. I am super active in AA here. A lot on Zoom. I go to meetings in the city, but a lot of it's been on Zoom. I took it to Zoom. This is nothing like in person, but I don't, you know, whenever whatever it takes to get to a meeting, and I'm super active in, in the group. Um, you know, anyone kind of knows me around here. I, I am, I, I am, As far as like anonymity, I I almost like don't believe in that at this point. Like, yeah, I'm, I'm not, not like I'm not promoting it, but you know, I just want people to know if you have a problem, like I could be an option. And nobody, but I said to you before too. I think it was offline. Like, it's the little things that that really really matter like getting a phone call from a family member or a friend and they have a real life problem because I never got those phone calls. And in fact, you know, you had to stay away from you, you know, let alone call them for like a real conversation about life. You know, I get those calls. I get them awesome. You know, I might be the first option for a lot of people. You know, another thing is, and this might sound silly or you might sell my out there, I totally get this, but when the phone rings and my phone rings, I have an instant sense of gratitude like right away that I, I can answer, answer this call because for so long, I could not even answer the phone because I didn't I, know what, what I did the night before. I don't know who was chasing me down. I don't know what I owe I anything. And even in sobriety for a long time, man, I couldn't answer the phone. And today yeah. I can answer the phone, right? I, I feel it. And that's a little thing, but man, that's a, that's a big thing. So, and now, now I'm starting the podcast, which you know about. So, so we're excited mostly for that, though. That's that's the next chapter
0: of hopefully helping people. This is so incredible from where you came from and to where you are now, because even with your dad, because you were taught basically what's set in the house stays in the house, right? Mm-hmm. And and that's part of your community too, yeah. you know, right? That East Coast kind of mentality. <clears throat> so you have had to really change that. And, and then with the anonymity that's, that's deeply ingrained within the the 12 step communities. And you're coming out and being pretty much loud and proud about your recovery too. A hundred percent, you know, and that goes, it's funny. You mentioned that you mentioned, you know, my community where
1: you look like that goes, that's extended, right? Like my father, like he's probably like really quiet about that. You know, I'm in AA or I'm sober. I'm like, dude, I'm yeah. I'm not nothing to be ashamed of you know like you know they say the word grateful alcohol and for so long I was like bullshit I'm calling bullshit I'm grateful alcohol man no way how could you be grateful yeah it's great I'm sober fine but today like I just mentioned about my family and like my family wouldn't be here you know like everything is 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 turned like People helping each other, like I was, I was raised that, I, like, hell no, like you know, what I mean, like, you know, get away from that. You know, what's that guy doing? You know, being so warm, trying to help someone. Now I'm like, I'm attracted to those things. Being that, like, you know, it's completely turned. But yeah, the anonymity, anonymity. Everyone's different, like, and everyone's totally different, and everyone can do this. There's different ways to get someone You know, it doesn't have to be AA. For me, it was AA, and for me. There's people in rooms that are so longer to me that I protect there. Like, they don't want anyone to know. To this day, like I'll see them. Like, oh, I told my wife that I know you from work. I'm like, all right, you know, cool, whatever works. You know, again, like whatever works for you, man. Like, you does anyone know? I was like, everybody knows everyone. You know, I also worked on a, a trading desk floor. And it was like a few hundred people on this floor, and the whole place knew I went to rehab. You know, and they, they also knew that, that I was so <laughs> a Yeah. Well, less than a month later, you know, like, so it's just easier for me. Like, it's easier for me. It's how I, how I, handle. And yeah, now I want people, you know, now, like I'll see people like that I used to work with, like, oh man, this guy has showed up, just like, give my number. You know, they know, they know, like, you know, oh, I got so, you know, and that's how I wanted to, I don't think, I don't think I meant to me. this is my, I'm not trying to. Change the trajectory or anything, but I don't think anonymity meant like to hide and to hide from, you know, who you are. I think, I think you got to put, I have to put myself out there for some people. I want to help people, you know, and I think I can help people, not just in the rooms. I think they can help people outside too.
0: Well, you know, back in the day with Bill W. and Dr. Bob, people were being locked up in institutionalizing mental facilities because they were an, an addict. And they didn't know how to deal with it and it was really easy to commit someone to these institutions and i think that's where a a huge part of that came from the anonymity was you really had to protect yourself but even today you know at the social gathering that i just went to people have been tagged on their careers or insurance or something like that because they they went for help so sometimes Mm -hmm. you know there are reasons for the anonymity but it's really cool when we have people that are able to like bust through all that. And then with this podcast that you're doing, tell us a little bit about the description of that podcast. So,
1: you know, I want the podcast to be, you know, it's not it's not me per se. You know, it's not Gary Menke's like helping people. It's it's the platform. I want it to be a platform where we can share these stories like you and I are talking. And that one person out there can say, you know what? He can do it or she can do it. You know, I can do it. You know, I'm very much into, you know, you get sober, you know, like now, like we want to be happy too. Like I think there's so much here besides, you know, putting down the drink. And you know, I was given the gift of, I'm drawing a blank real quick, when you when you that the obsession to drink has been lifted. And if you knew me seventeen plus years ago, that was impossible. I mean, so impossible. You know, I, I would have tried to avoid the last person they knew. I would not avoided the first person that should, but the last person that would. But it was given to me, and I don't know how. I don't know how what happened that night to me. I really don't. And I want the podcast. I want the podcast to be a platform to inspire. And to showcase these people with their stories to inspire others and they too can get sober. And not only can they get sober, but they can change their life. And like no matter where they are, their best years are ahead of. Them. I firmly, firmly believe that. Maybe it's maybe it's my stubbornness. Like maybe it's just me. Like like I said, I'm gonna be 49 a couple of years. Maybe I'm just being maybe I'm fighting the whole thing, but it's a good fight because you know, you look around, I was I was watching, you know. You see this guy, in Pete Carroll. He's a football coach. He's seventy-something years old. He's running up and down the, field, the sideline like a man, man. Like we got a lot of time ahead of us. Like, and they could be our best years. And so, you know, go get healthy. You know, go help someone. Stop. You know, get sober first. You know that that's first and foremost. But after that, like, there's people all walks of life, everywhere. Athletes, Hollywood, CEOs. You know. The the guy down the street who was in in the dump but now has a lawn care service and he's taking care of his thing. Like, I want to talk to those people, all those people that got sober, turned their life around, and now look where they they are and that you can too. That's what it's about. Yes. That's what it's about. You know, and I'll expand on it as this, like, kind of dream. This is like, this this hasn't been in my brain for a long time, man. It's only been, like, it just kind of happened. Like, and there's more to it. Like, I want to start a newsletter. I want to just, I want to be able to have a platform to help people, wherever it may be. I, and I don't mean like coaching or anything. It's nothing like that. I want to have resources. Like I'm still building. I'm, I'm in the, I'm in the top of the first inning here. But <laughs> like I'm just going, like I'm going, like I'm grabbing the bat and I'm going to swing a missile. I'm going to get some hits too. Like I'm going to learn as I go. And, you know, meet people like you. Like that's the other part it was so much so fun about this. Like, you get to share these stories right and hopefully help one person today like i keep saying when you get to meet people like you and like this isn't going to be a one time thing you know like this is a relationship like we can meet in person maybe i'll meet you and you
0: i don't know but the people we can meet i i, I like i like to talk to people and like and when you get that connection like your email came through and and then I saw that you had your phone number in it. And I'm just like jumping from email to texting. Hey man, yeah, I can relate so much. And we just like bonded right there in our recovery. It was just so cool. Yeah. And it's so easy,
1: you know, like like I said, this is the first time you and I are, are meeting face to face. But man, I, I couldn't feel any more comfortable with you and <laughs> I couldn't be possibly any more comfortable. But it's fine, it's just because we're in the same, we're on the same. Team man, like we're in the same boat, and we're really on the same boat. Like you're doing things to help people at scale. You
0: know, like it's amazing. I love to meet people. Like that's part of it. Like that's what's fun for me. And the cool, yeah. thing, Gary, is we haven't gotten sober the same way, but we're, but we're fighting the same battle. Yeah, and and that's one of my dreams is to, to start bringing sober communities together because a lot of communities they just. You know, we get that, we isolate and this is the only way to get sober type mentality. And now we just want to bring everybody under one umbrella and say, look, go in there and cherry pickle works for you. Just don't drink. 100%. Like, I totally agree
1: that I do get the scary, you know, there's people, right? But, you know, oh, this is the way you do it. It's the only way you do it. It's the only way to do it for you. That's fine. Like, I was
0: clear what works for me. Like, I don't care. Oh, we get here. Like, let's just get here. You know, like, but you know, it's a human condition. You see it with politics, yeah. religion, everything. Unfortunately, it's in sobriety too. Yeah. But people are really, they're getting sober loudly today it, We because yeah. we don't have all those. We don't really have to be worried about locked up like Bill W. and Dr. Bob did these days. Right. You know, so. Yeah.
1: yeah no, I mean, there's a, there's a total aspect that, you know, the stigma is not what it was, but there's still a stigma. You know, so like the latter we
0: can be, the lesser that sting will be, the more that sting will go away. You know and
1: what? I had
0: to laugh when you mentioned Irish exit. Because we had Megstar with one of our episodes is called Irish Exit. <laughs> That's and, great. and Megstar, she wrote a book, a little pamphlet on Irish Exit, you know. Get out of it <laughs> now. Get out of your addiction now. Do an Irish exit out of your addiction now before it consumes you, right? That
1: is a beautiful message, right? Because what's the Irish exit? The Irish exit is you turn around and he's gone. It's just gone. Like, <laughs> right, right. That's it. Yeah. 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 Everything's good. Boom. Gone. Let's see. it worked anyway. Irish exit. The yeah. Irish exit. That's, a. I love that concept. You know, I'll just tell one more thing about like, you know, the anonymity and, you know, how, you know, people are or agreeing that you do it this way, you do it that way. I've also been given the gift in sobriety. Like I said, that man, I don't know. I don't know anything. I know nothing. I have, I used to have such a closed mind and so narrow focus today. I have such an open mind about things. I don't care. Again, I keep pounding the table. I don't care how you get here. Whatever works for you is beautiful. You know, there's no one way, but like you said, you're making me excited. Let's meet up in this this tent for this, you know, sober sober Woodstock. You know, like, yeah.
0: Let's do a sober Woodstock, right? Everybody yeah. from every community coming together, just to get sober, and sharing right. their experience, strength, and hope. That that would be just incredible, so incredible. We just did a sober meetup with around forty three people, and it was just amazing. It was an amazing.
1: Yeah, that's time. Well, that's what you're doing. You know, you're building communities, like the story you told with the woman in Arizona. Like, she doesn't get sober if, if, you're, if you guys aren't out there, you know, putting it out to the world online. She found you guys. You know, like, that's what it's about. That that, that that's the
0: dream. Help no one person today. I've said it too many times. but that's That's like the motto. Well, the Matrix has an army selling us their poison. Not only do we worry about addiction, but they're shoving it in our faces and they're brainwashing us with their subliminal messages. And they've done it to our families and our peers. And it's they've got an army. And we need an army, a podcaster, of everybody, you know, websites, whatever it may be, yeah. Out there fighting this battle too. I, I
1: totally, totally agree. And, you know, we've it's been more than brainwash. It's you know, it's generations. We talk about this on the phone. It's generations. You know, my wife likes to tell me. Garrett, like, you broke the mold. You have broke your mold. You know, it's funny. My, my son, he's eight years old. And, you know, we had, I had my anniversary a month ago. And, you know, he's like, you don't drink alcohol? I said, like, no. He's like, never? I was like, no, never. You know, it's not good to you. I'm not ready to tell him to share with him this podcast just yet, if you will. <laughs> he's not ready to hear that whole story. But he came up to me, honest to God, just yesterday. And he's like, he tasted very little, but he's like, dad, you know, I'm not going to drink alcohol either. Truly, really you. And I said, pal, you have no idea how far ahead of the game you will be and how how hard, how happy that makes me. But it also made me think of when I was a kid, like, you know, I was like, hey, oh, great. Yeah, take a swig of this. Like, it was different. Like, only told, And it still is different. Don't do it
0: wrong. But we can break the mold, right? And, and help our kids, you know? So for your family, like, you know, you're breaking those addictions of bondage for your family.
1: Right. Right, like they're going to grow up differently in that sense, you know. And I'd, I don't hope a lot of it. Like, you know, they're not going to see cut straws in their, you know, in their and there's and their, their stone jaw, you know. But they're not going to, you know, that's the other thing, man. Like, if if my kids saw, I think I talked to you on the morning, my kids saw me even with a with a drink and the, me, they would sense the difference in their father right away, and their lives immediately, even without me acting out, their lives immediately would be altered
0: it would be all for, sure, for certain yeah you know, so that's another gift so congratulations on your anniversary thank you man. happy almost birthday <laughs> <right>? <laughs> thanks and then it's the begin again podcast
1: yes the begin again podcast the website is the begin i am in the process of, of just booking some some awesome people interviews and it's going to launch in July I think July 2nd like I says my birthday is going to be launch date but you can find the trailer on Spotify or wherever you watch your podcasts I was going to send it to you with the bio and stuff there as well too so yeah we're going to be out there and like I said you and I are we're just getting started
0: there it is Yeah, yeah you found it it's cool man oh yeah I'm following you on Podbeam already oh sweet man I appreciate that yeah so then we'll put up the link for the podcast and the website and the description. So if anybody wants to, they can just click on it and boom. Uh, So cool. Appreciate that very much. Gary, it's a privilege and an honor getting to talk to you.
1: And you're a hero.
0: You're a hero. I um, I, I appreciate that. One thing somebody keeps telling me, you got to be able to take compliments, right? That's a big one, man. I wasn't ready for that one, though. That's not. you're the hero
1: man and and
0: it's my honor my privilege i'm
1: so glad that i'm so glad we did this but i'm so glad that you and i you know are are on
0: the same team like i said we're we're buddies now so right and then you know hopefully down the road we can have some discussions yeah Uh, i will really want to get some more podcasts with with the 12 steps you know sure because I, i think there's a lot of miscommunicated concepts about the 12 steps even yeah. me because i had a chip on my shoulder so i want to get more information out there because i see the 12 steps have helped millions and millions of people yeah you know there are those that will never like gravitate that way but there are still people out there trying to make up their minds which way to go
1: well i'm always available
0: to you man whenever you need to okay so thank you very much gary Thank you, bud. I appreciate it. Thanks Thanks very much. much.